0: This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast.
1: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, Brandon, we got a Matt Law special. Uh, Matt, welcome to the holiday break that the Premier League promised you—many days off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big three-day off break. Fantastic. What a uh, what a time to be alive, hey. Eh?
1: Yeah, I tell you, what, I don't
0: understand it. Actually, I, I did say to Pochettino, you get, um, I think you get ten days now before you play again, and then you have to play three games in nine days. It's like the scheduling is just crazy. Why bother with a break? Why not just have like those three games spread out over a normal amount of time?
1: Well, and then we had almost like two weeks off for cups in January as well. So I think some teams have had almost the entire month off. It feels like, or one some, match.
0: Some teams are barely, some teams barely done anything, and then you've got teams like. West Ham because they drew in the FA Cup and they've had other things going on. So I don't think they'll have really had a break at all. It's it's really weird. And then, like I say, a lot of teams who have had a break are then coming back and playing, you know, three games in nine days or something crazy like that. I, d- I don't get it. I, I think this is the last year of it happening anyway. I don't think it's happening again.
1: Well, I, I tell you what, uh, Bleach Report did put out a, like a funny one of their animated videos, and it talked about all of these injuries that are happening. It's the top teams, like it, you know, Liverpool are starting to feel it now as well, especially with uh, a couple of players out for uh, Afcon. But yeah, this it's it's becoming a, a wider problem, you would imagine. So, um, but with the holiday theme on on top, you you said you've got a little insight into who's up to what. I just saw Chelsea posting as Enzo's birthday today. As we record on Wednesday. Um, so he's got a big old cake and hanging out.
0: Well, they're, we're, we're recording on Wednesday and they're, they're back today. They're back from their three days off. So it's Monday, Tuesday, uh, yeah, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think a lot of them went to Dubai. I think half the premier league were in Dubai. I think, I think a few people might've had, uh, I don't think Chelsea players necessarily, but I think a few premier league stars had birthdays to celebrate. And I think there were a few birthday parties going on in Dubai from what I understand. Um, A lot of agents and people were flying out to Dubai and booking very swanky restaurants and and things like that. So, um, yeah, Dubai was the place to be to spot a Premier League footballer. I think the Chelsea contingent, Pochettino and his staff basically went back to Spain. Um, I think some of the other players actually went to Spain as well who didn't go to Dubai. I think there were some others in Spain. I was most intrigued by Enzo, who posted an Instagram post from what looked like a ski resort. It was like a snowy, it was idyllic, it looked lovely, but I'm I'm guessing he wasn't skiing because uh that would have seemed like a recipe for disaster. But um yeah, he, he posted a picture of somewhere very snowy looking, very pretty.
1: Have we not learned anything from <laughs> snow accidents uh, in January? Like oh Enzo, stay stay healthy, my friend.
0: Look, I, I um I was surprised to see the snow in the picture, let's put it that way. But like I say, yeah. um I'm guessing he wasn't tobogganing or skiing or snowboarding or anything like that. But that was the one that intrigued me most. He he seemed to do something a little bit left field for his his three days away.
1: Well, good. Even even
0: I think Cucurella, even recovering from surgery, I think Cucurella was over in Dubai or Spain or somewhere. I think everybody literally got away where they could this this a few days.
1: Any excuse? Any excuse for a footballer to get away from from London, uh, especially after like we just talked about, they played especially Chelsea, how many matches in, in the last seven weeks or, or whatever it is. I mean, it's been relentless. So good for them to disconnect and, and get a few days off. Um, but we, we've started to have a little bit of transfer movement, which is wild. Because, again, we always laugh. Like, we, we booked an extra pod this month at the Matt. because January. We saw what happened last January. Uh, we restructured the squad, built it up. But like you said, we were chasing Champions League and things like that. Not this season. And so it's been a lot more quiet. So my first question is a str- str- strategy, right? Strategically, are they sitting back quietly because they like the pieces they have? Or do they maybe not feel like there's enough value in the market?
0: Yeah, look, strategically, I, I, I'm much happier with with what's going on so far this year, not just because it makes my life easier, but because you can see at the moment that they are they had a plan for the window and they're sticking to it. And as you say, that plan is not chasing things that aren't there it's not chasing shadows and trying to throw money at shadows it's it's tweaking the bits of the squad mainly outgoing that need tweaking you know Matson's situation was a situation that needed solving um Datro Fafana's situation was one that needed solving we might talk about that a bit more later but um they've done those bits and then in terms of any in it was always going to be the plan anyway and I was I'm always worried to talk about the plan with Chelsea because I've talked about it so many times and the plan seems to have got thrown out the window transfer-wise a few times. But so far, they're sticking to the plan of just, if they do anything in the window, it'll be reactive. Um, I always felt they'd want to see Chile get back. They've looked at left-back position, but they'll want to see how Chile looks. They'll want to see how things are panning out between Chile and Cole. We'll Probably have talks about whether they want to stick with that till the end of the season or whether they want to be able to bring in a specialist left back to maybe give Colwell more of a uh, a place within the centre of defence and then the striker situation is the situation you know do you go for a short term stopgap type thing or a, a younger player or do you wait till the summer to get the main target and again that's being slightly influenced by what's going on and Kunku's injury situation keeps fluctuating one minute he's been out for a while the next minute this week it seems there's been a bit of good news and that it's settled down and they hope and it'll train towards the back end of this week. That might again influence things. But yeah, they're they're being more reactive. And, and in terms of incoming, that that totally makes sense. It probably makes for more boring uh transfer window content wise. Um but yeah, I'm I'm heartened by it so far, I would add. There's always the uh, there's still time for a big panic yet
1: though. Well, yeah, we got to wait to see what fitness ends up at the end of the month. You know, maybe make a couple moves, see if we're not where we need to be. But uh, you talked about Dr. Fafana. I went to Burnley last time we talked. You were dead set on Sevilla, Seville. Seville. Um, what changed?
0: Yeah, well, what changed was basically the, the loan. Uh, Chelsea used up their last loan place by their overseas loan place by sending Matson over to Borussia Dortmund. I still thought that there was a chance that they would try and create a space um, by moving people around a little bit. But I, having spoken to people involved, literally, they really wanted to do the Sevilla move. I think that was the first choice of, of sort of the club to start with and also Dacho for finest people. But the p- pieces couldn't move into place. They could have tried to wait, but Sevilla were unwilling to wait. They want a f- forward in and also... It would have been a risk for the player then and they needed to sort something out. So they pivoted pretty quick and got Burnley, which is, is, is interesting, actually. Um, it's not one I'd have predicted at all. But I think it's quite a good shot to nothing, actually, because I look at it this way. I I said to you in the last show that I've been pretty unimpressed with the Fofana signing up till now. And as we sit here today, I don't think Fofana's value is... Really, anything you know, the people around him at Chelsea actually have done well to get him a Premier League loan. I, I wouldn't have expected a Premier League club to want to take him on loan with with his record recently. Um They've done their job by getting him a really decent Premier League loan. Okay, they're fighting relegation, but I think he'll play. And like I say, if he scores five, six, seven goals, all of a sudden, uh, it'll turn around for him a little bit. So it's up to him now, and it's really time he he showed a little bit why. You know, these new Chelsea owners and people have, have, have put a fair bit of faith in them up to now.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they've got Odober, who's kind of been their top circuit. They've got Amduni, um, uh, Foster has Foster, come in a little yeah. bit. And then um, Obafemi, who's there. And Jay Rodriguez still kicking around in the Premier League yeah. as well. So plenty of, plenty of, I guess, competition for him in the squad. But I guess I'm, I'm surprised how quickly it all came together. Clearly Burnley were happy to add him
0: yeah and i'm told vincent company spoke to him so vincent company seems to be on board whether burnley loan loan one or two forwards out now that's a possibility but he'll get opportunities none of those forwards are are prolific enough that um d'atro is not going to get opportunities he'll definitely get opportunities um there's just it's just up to him to now take it it's really down to him if this loan doesn't go well then like i say value wise chelsea would have lost nothing but it will leave Daxo Fano in a tough spot, but that would be the same if he'd have gone to Sevilla as well.
1: Right. I think that's where it kind of comes from, is like, at least he'll be in England. He'll be closer. And again, if he can get some minutes in the Premier League, for him, biggest stage in the world. Like, people will take Premier League subs uh, and, and take bets on them. So up to him from there. But yeah, I think it was never going to be straightforward. Um, striker front, sticking there, right? Um, obviously, there's some like very... Loose rumors, I would say, coming from Saudi Arabia, a lot of players want to leave, right? Like Kareem Benzema um, and some other strikers even. I think Jordan Henderson uh, getting his contract uh, absolved so he can leave. Seems like it's might be a little bit of a an exodus out of the Saudi league. I don't know if there's if Chelsea are interested. They're coming off big money. They're probably going to continue to keep big money doesn't seem like a good fit because also all the players that went don't fit this young high ceiling player profile. But anything out of Saudi that might be of interest to Chelsea as far as opportunities?
0: Look, I don't think the profile particularly matters cuz were Chelsea to suddenly go for an opportunity out of Saudi, it would be a it'd be a short-term thing and it'd be very much as a stop gap. So I don't see the profile because they're not going to sign someone permanently from Saudi. Look, I doubt whether they will do anything from Saudi for the reasons you just mentioned in terms of the money um, and the wages and all that. But what I would say is players like Benzema, players like Firmino, even someone like Mitrovic, there are people around those players offering them around to Premier League clubs and, and trying to get a market going. Now, I, it seems to have come out today that Firmino has, has given up on on coming back, and he's decided he's probably going to stay over there. He was quite interesting because I, as you and I seem to have mentioned every time I'm on this show, I, having covered Pochettino for a long time, I know he's a big fan of Firmino. I think he once named him in his top three or top five Premier League players ever. Um, big fan of his. It doesn't seem like he's leaving Saudi though, but they have been offered around. It's something that hasn't. From my understanding, the idea of taking from somewhere like Saudi if the right opportunity came about, it's not something that has been dismissed as yet because I think we're just at a stage where Chelsea haven't really decided what they're going to do and they're just looking at everything. But I think it's unlikely. The reason Jordan Henderson was able to go to Ajax is because basically he's walked away with nothing. You know, he's walked from Saudi pretty much with nothing in terms of the money he'll end up having to pay back on tax. His wages, we're told he's going to take a 75% wage cut to get back to Europe. Henderson's left with having made zero money, pretty much. It will end up being in in Saudi. So Jordan Henderson's situation is um, very different, I think, to where we are with the strikers who have been talked about maybe leaving Saudi. Um, Karim Benzema seems to have fallen out with his club. I don't know whether he'd be prepared to, to give up the same amount of money or the percentage that, that Jordan has. So, But, yeah, let's see. It's one that all Premier League clubs have sort of got, got in the back of their minds because, like I say, there are agents offering uh, these players on on loan to clubs, albeit I'm not sure financially what they're, what they're talking about.
1: Well, what about Broglie? So it sounds like there's interest from Wolves. Uh, it sounds like Chelsea might even be open to letting him leave Permanently, if a again suitable offer comes in. So we're playing that game <laughs> a little bit. But uh what's going on with Broya? He's gotten a couple starts now. Obviously, Nico Jackson's at AFCON. Um, he's gotten a goal recently, but I think sometimes you're kind of um, I don't know, just hoping for a little bit more. You want to see the young guy bag some more goals. Yeah, look, I think he's finding his comeback from injury tough. Um
0: I don't think he's being the same player that we saw before the injury, who I thought was more dynamic than what I've seen of him recently. I think since the injury he's lost a little bit of that dynamism, and that might be confidence or it might be a physical thing. It's understandable. Um look, Broyer, Broyer, I don't think will go anywhere unless Chelsea do sign a forward. If they do sign a forward, I do be in the club will certainly look at options for him, whether it be permanent or loan. Um Wolves are definitely in the market for a striker. They've looked at Danny Ings. They don't, they haven't got a lot of money. They've got like most clubs, they've got um financial fair play restrictions at the moment. So they're looking for probably a loan or someone they can buy and maybe pay for later or something like that. Um, I think Crystal Palace might be looking for the, a similar profile of striker as well. There are a few looking for that profile of strikers. I don't think Broya would have a problem getting a club, but um, it, nothing will happen with him unless Chelsea lines something up with on an incoming front for sure. Um And look, I I don't think he's doing terribly. I just don't see the same, like I said, I don't see the same dynamism from him so far. And I do start to wonder whether, even if it's alone, whether he might be best for a bit of a a change of scenery just for a while and and try to sort of really get firing again um, before maybe coming back again at some point.
1: I mean, they've got him in content and stuff. They seem The club seem to enjoy it. Maybe he's just open to doing it so the, the the content team continues to go back to him.
0: I wouldn't worry about that. If you noticed last season, Mason Mount towards the end of the season was in all club content. He was doing all the sponsorship and the commercial and everything like that. Some of them are good at it. Some of them like it. Some of them don't. That's what it comes down to, not their futures,
1: believe me. Oh, yeah. No, that'd be too easy. So anyways, we're going to take our first ad break when we get back. Uh, Matt thinks that Chelsea might sign a bench player from Villa to fill our gap. So, uh, <laughs> big teaser there. Think of the sponsors, and we'll be right back. That's right, Matt. You said, and I quote, Chelsea are as good to sign a bench player from Villa. <laughs> Read the table. And it got it got a little contentious between us. I kid, obviously. <laughs> but you said Chelsea might be interested in Jean Duran from Villa. Look, all I know on this is that
0: it was put out there... Um via someone on social media. And it just hasn't been denied. It hasn't been denied at all. Um, mm. but, which I always find interesting because they do, Chelsea did very quickly deny Victor Jaikores at uh, Sporting Lisbon this week. And yet there's been no comment, no denial on, on let's say, I think the wording was discussions around Jean, John Duran at Villa. I was flabbergasted when I saw it because I've seen a lot of him. And if you think Nicholas Jackson is raw, times it by five for John Duran. I mean, he doesn't obviously start for Villa. He comes off the bench and he is incredibly raw, incredibly raw. And his temperament is um, arguably even wilder than Nicholas Jackson's. I mean, John Duran, even as a substitute, nearly gets sent off every time I see him. He goes around smashing into people. He does cause chaos. He's a bit like Jackson. He's not a similar player to Jackson, but he's, he's similar to Jackson in that he causes chaos. He wins penalties. He creates situations just through causing madness, basically. He scored the odd goal. He scored a very good goal in Europe, very good goal against Crystal Palace uh, this season and one against Everton at home right at the start of the season. Um, but no different to what Chelsea have already got in terms of raw strikers and players. It would be an astonishing thing for Chelsea to do, quite frankly. I don't think they'll do it. But as I say, um, the fact that it was reported that he's been discussed and that wasn't denied at all did just make me think um, that there must be something to that. Let's put it that way.
1: All right. Four cautions in 185 minutes in all substitute appearances, which means he's getting cautioned every 46 minutes.
0: And he, sh- he should have been, he came on in the uh, draw with Sheffield United at home before Christmas when we were trying to um, salvage the win at that game. And he should have been sent off. He took a swing at someone. He should have definitely been sent off. Um, he is mad. I think he's talented. There's, there's a lot of talent there, but it's so raw and it's going to take so much coaching and someone needs to get hold of his temperament. And this all probably reminds you of a certain Chelsea striker who's at the African Cup of Nations at the moment. For that reason, it would just be an utterly astonishing thing for Chelsea to even contemplate doing. He's also been linked with AC Milan. I see that as being slightly... Something like that I see slightly being more sensible, going over to a a league where he might just get into a bit of a rhythm, play a bit more, learn how to be a bit more of a first-team professional. I I get that. Something like Chelsea I just don't get in a million years. I, I don't see it happening, but it was... It's, Yeah, it blew my mind to see it, to be quite honest with you.
1: Fair enough. Um, we will park that. Let's talk about left-backs. We're in a bit of a tricky situation. You just said Ian Motson left to, to Dortmund. Immediately started, by the way. So at least from a, hey, we're happy with this situation. Seems like all parties are, are in a good spot. Um, Cucurella is out for an undetermined amount of time post-surgery. Ben Chilwell just got his first minutes back. And then it is Levi Colwell, uh, which is not a natural left back. We all know what's, what are kind of some, I guess, how are you reading the room on this? It seems to be kind of a, all of a sudden it's crept up on us and become a bit of a weak spot that we didn't have in preseason. I'll tell you that much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a weak spot or whether it's just the injuries that have, have created this situation, but it is an odd situation. I think it's going to become a big situation for Pochettino in the second half of the season. if, if Chile can stay fit, I think this is quite an interesting situation playing out because Pochettino obviously quite likes within the defensive setup he has of having the extra insurance of having Levi back then. I would say that recently Levi's shown signs of improving in that position and and as you would expect, learning it a bit better. And I don't see that being completely ditched like straight away. Um but with Chilwell fit, it will put pressure on Pochettino to play Chilwell at left back and actually accommodate a proper left back in his team. Now, the interesting other thing about this is, if, as we've discussed before, Chelsea are definitely looking at the market regarding left backs or players who can play at left back, even if they're, you know, might not be a left back. Um, And I think there's a decision to be made, and I'd imagine there'll be discussions around this, of whether Pochettino would prefer to go through to the end of the season with Chilwell and Colville as his sort of left-back options, which would suggest he will continue to play Colville a lot at left-back, or whether they'd rather sign a more specialised left-back to put Colville back in conversation for competing as a centre-back a bit more. I think the club would prefer... Colwell to be competing more for a central defensive position, if I'm honest with you. I think that's where the clubs see him. And I think they see this whole left-back business as a bit of a stopgap. I'm not sure what I think about where Pochettino sees that, but I think that will start to become clear. But I do think it's a very, very interesting scenario. And with Chilwell being injured, there's not really been any pressure on Pochettino over that selection because it's just, he's not really had any other any other sort of selection to go to, um, particularly after Cucurella had surgery. But now with Chilwell fit, as I say, I think there will be a little bit of pressure from fans, from players themselves, from just just from the situation to actually play Chilwell at left back. And it was funny, it almost looked stubborn that when Chilwell came on against Fulham, he came on as a left winger. He finally gets back on the pitch. And you think, oh great, was, back, they've got to recognize left back, and Pochettino put him on as a left winger. And I just saw that as a little bit of a sign of stubbornness on Pochettino's part. So I'll be really interested to see how that plays out. But I think they'll be talking around that situation a lot in the final sort of two weeks of the transfer window because it will um how they both how both Pochettino and the club see it will determine very strongly whether they actually push the button on a left back? Because as I say, they've definitely been looking at the market on left backs.
1: Uh, Alphonso Davies has been loosely connected. Um, not to talk about Tuchel, but it seems like he's having a lot of squad issues right now, even DeLict looking to to potentially leave. Um, but he's left back. He's 23. The thing is, he's his value is roughly 58 million pounds, again, for a left back. When I think, for all intents and purposes, the club like Chillwell is just a lack of health my guess is this isn't the type of signing they're going for even though again he's 23 isn't it more of like or maybe it is and you correct me wrong where they're looking for essentially a left-footed malo gusto <laughs> someone in the U21 French national team
0: yeah look if i was to take a guess i would i would guess at the fact that they're looking more towards a gusto profile than an Alfonso Davis profile. Alfonso Davis, I don't think his transfer fee would necessarily put them off, although it might do in January because of spending rules. Um, they do have to be a bit careful. Um, but I look, I don't quite know what Alfonso Davis is on at, at Bayern Munich, but I would imagine Alfonso Davis would would command a big old wage, and that part of it wouldn't really fit into Chelsea's profile. You'd then have Chilwell on two hundred thousand pounds a week plus. Um you'd still have Cucurella earning probably around a hundred thousand pounds a week. And then you'd have an Alfonso Davis on I don't know, he's got to be hundred and fifty, hundred and fifty plus, I'd imagine. I can't see that at all from, from a wages perspective. Um so yeah, my my thought on the left back is if they are gonna get one in and the the profiles of people they're looking at are probably closer to your your mellow gustos, with the thought that then come the summer either Cucurella or Chilwell will leave. And you will have then, um, you know, one one on quite a big wage and one on a much lower wage.
1: All right. Well, I will continue to be interested in, in just kind of seeing how that plays out. Uh, Duan Richards officially joined the club. Obviously, they signed him when he, I think he's around 16. So he's now able to join up coming from Jamaica. Uh, another kind of Kendry Paez, um, high, high profile youngster. Any ideas what's kind of in, in, order for dwan richards now that he's um on the island the colder island yeah not at the moment no i I
0: don't know i'd have thought they'd want an adjustment period and that he'd he'd do quite well to hang around the club for six months have a look at him him adjust to england a little bit without too much pressure but i don't know i haven't checked on it isn't his nickname whisper yes is that i believe yes that's right so yeah i'm sorry i don't know what the plan is but looking at it objectively, you would think that uh, having just got him over a little period of adjustment might be quite good for him.
1: Sounds good. Uh, Well, you know, it's official. We got some, some moves and things like that. So we'll at least keep everyone uh, on top of that. Um, People, I, you know, I I sourced some questions. They still want to know about Alfie Gilchrist and and don't know if you've got anything else to talk about since we touched on him last time. Um, I'm, I'm dubbing him the closer, by the way. If you know if Alfie comes on, <laughs> bosh in the clearances. Like, just put your foot
0: through it. I love it. Do you know what I think he's also really useful for as a late substitute? Is I noticed this against Fulham. So we were in that spell that Chelsea seem to always have now of having an, <laughs> an almighty last 10-minute panic and everything go out the window and everybody lose their shit, basically. Um But also what happens within that is the fans obviously get very sort of nervous and, you know, completely understandably. The atmosphere turns very, very nervy within the stadium when that happens, and you can understand why. But what Gilchrist does do coming on, apart from the fact is like you say, he loves a tackle or he loves a clearance, is actually just bringing him on lifts the crowd back up a little bit because the crowd have taken to him. They like him. He's an academy product. They like the fact of the way he throws himself around. And I noticed against Fulham, it gave the atmosphere a little lift um, just in the period where it was really, really hairy, let's face it. Um, So I think he's he's actually useful for that too. I know that sounds really basic and stupid, but I actually think that plays a part in it. He he does just lift the crowd a little bit at difficult times. Um, I said last week uh, there's been loan interest in him. I don't see him going on loan. I think he's very useful for them. I think it's very useful for him. I don't think it'll be a disaster for him either if he ends up because of people coming back from injury, dropping back down for the rest of the season. I think next summer will be a big summer for him in terms of deciding where he needs to play and what the next stage of his development is. But, um, yeah, I, I think, and Pochettino seems to have taken a liking to him. He, he probably likes his character. He sees a bit of himself, I'd imagine. And I think Pochettino himself was quite an uncompromising defender who liked to smash into people and stuff like that. So, um, He's He's been a real little bright point over the last month. And I, I don't see them giving that up to just send him out on loan somewhere at the moment.
1: Uh, yeah, I think we all love him. And think about, to your point, how many non-passes or misplaced passes and it came right back down us. Alfie was putting his foot through it instead of trying to turn in tight spaces where we're just going to lose it. And uh, he tweeted after the match, just bosh. And it was like him with those clearances. Like, I'm sure every time he smashed it, the crowd just lifted, right? Because at the end of the day, this is this is like dumb tactics of like me playing in college. But like, if the ball's in the air, Matt, they can't score. No one can get it. Like, kill the match off. What are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, love exactly. it. Love the energy from Alpha. We need more Alfies in our life. So uh, we're going to take a last ad break. When we get back... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, profit and sustainability and uh, how Argyle is going to save Chelsea. So thank the sponsors, and we'll be back. <laughs> All right, so Everton and Nottingham Forest getting whacked by the profit and sustainability. said they breached for the last season, and uh, obviously Chelsea were in and amongst that, but we've been cleared, at least temporarily. Can you give us a little bit of context on this?
0: Yeah, I mean, clubs don't really get cleared as such. Um, They just don't get charged and done over it. Um, And it's all three-year calculations. So you're allowed to lose £105 million over three years, basically. So over the past three years, Chelsea have been able to prove that they haven't lost more than £105 million. Um, You don't get cleared because, obviously, then they, they redo the calculation the following year. Yeah. And you know it's a um and it's not to say that Chelsea won't find difficulties with it in the future. They've their fees, as we've talked about so many times. They've they've brought a lot of money in. You know they've spent an awful lot of money, but they have brought a lot of money in. And they were in when they took over. They were in when the new owners took over. They were already in a very very good position um, on PSR and financial fair play. So I never saw it being an issue for for this one. They're going to have to be careful ahead of next the next one. Um, it's a massive issue though now. I mean, this is the PSR transfer window. It really is because clubs are finding it really difficult. You know, Arsenal are finding it difficult, and they they would love to sign a striker and a midfielder and a left back, and they might they might sign one of those. Nobody's going to sign Ivan Tony. It doesn't look like, because the clubs that he would want to go to and the clubs that might want him just can't do it in this of PSR. It is the PSR window. It's why it's been a really stagnant transfer window at the moment. It will pick up, it will pick up, but clubs are having to be so much more thoughtful and careful. They can't just take wild gambles on players because it will cost them so much against PSR. And so many clubs are sailing close to the wind. Like most clubs, I would say half the Premier League are sailing close to the wind on PSR, and it only takes one wild transfer window to then tip them over. Uh, My club, Aston Villa have had to... Look what they did in the the summer. You know, we talk about Chelsea selling their academy graduates. Villa sold academy graduates and put buyback clauses in them to, to get PSR gains. Lots of clubs are having to do that. Forrest desperately tried to get off the hook by selling Brennan Johnson... To to Tottenham uh, to help their PSR, and yet it ended up that that went happened too late to be counted within the PSR, um, and that's one of their defenses because they could have probably sold him to to Brentford within the and it would have got them through it. So it is it's a really interesting and a really big issue, and it's not going to go away. As I say, loads of clubs are sailing close to the wind of it, and clubs will have to do things that fans don't like or that fans find unpalatable. You know, we've seen Newcastle saying they might have to sell a star player or a homegrown player. Villa, if they don't get in the Champions League places come the end of the season, will have to sign a star player or a homegrown player. They'll probably have to decide whether they sell Douglas, Louis, Jacob, Ramsey, for instance. Chelsea, not in the Champions League places come the end of the season. If they want to go out and get a big striker, they will have to bring some money in somewhere. They will have to either sell a player that will bring in big money, or they'll have to sell a homegrown player who will give them massive wiggle room on on PSR. All
1: right. Well, I mean, that's definitely good um, context. One, it's this is a widespread thing, and it sounds like oh yeah, we're st- the, the 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 Premier League. I guess FA Premier League who enforces this Premier League. Yes, Premier League. The clubs voted for it. I mean, the the
0: clubs. The funny thing is, is that now you see some clubs. F- Whinging about PSR and the calculations that are done, the clubs voted for it themselves. So, the clubs voted for it, but because of the the cycle they had to get to this point, it, it's only really now it's it's really. It's, um, and you know, Arsenal are involved clubs are sailing close to the wind. West Ham are, Villa are, Wolves are. We've seen what Everton and Forest. That's seven. That's six clubs. Chelsea are sailing close to the wind. Uh, Manchester City sold Cole Palmer. To Chelsea, for sure, with PSR in mind, for absolute guaranteed sure, you know it's touching everybody.
1: Well, and and that is one thing I guess we, that I wanted to touch on. You know, Wolves Gary O'Neill came out and said that they sold like 15 players this summer. He's like, it was a hundred percent for this PSR. Like, we didn't want to do that. <laughs> He's like, we had yeah. to. Yeah, of course. So I think that it is good to know that this is like. It sounds like it's now being enforced. So it's like, hey, we're, we're actually taking this serious. This is going to happen. Um, the mid-season points deduction is tough. Like, obviously, Everton had their previous results, but Nottingham Forest, who have been grinding for half the season, now take a 10-point deduction? I mean, you've essentially ended their season in January.
0: Well, they haven't actually announced the, um, you know, these clubs, Everton and and Forest, now do have a chance to appeal and defend themselves, and they haven't actually announced What the punishments will be yet. It's likely to come more towards the end of the season. So Forrest aren't, you know, 100% getting a a 10 point deduction. We know that yet. Um, But yeah, I mean, it puts them in an awkward place. They now, they're not going to find anything out toward, like I say, to either towards the end of the season or the end of the season itself. So Forrest now know that to be sure of staying up, they will have to stay, finish at least 10 points above the relegation zone. in order to be confident of that. Um, It's a a very strange asterisk to have against a season, but this is where we are. And, you know, we still do have a further asterisk against Manchester City with their 115 charges and also against Chelsea over their self-reporting of uh, what they said was financial sort of uh, irregularities when they took over the club.
1: So that's the one I wanted to touch on. Is is that still looming or was that window now passed with this announcement?
0: No, 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 no. That's completely different. That's not PSR related at all. Okay, that's um, financial irregularities that Chelsea, Chelsea self-reported financial re- irregularities pertaining to uh, transfers that had been made under the previous regime, and also tax issues. And that's also being investigated by the Premier League. That's nothing to do with our. Absolutely nothing to do. So the fact that they weren't charged with this doesn't mean that that's been and gone and looked at. That's something that's takes a lot longer um, and will take as long as it takes, whether they find out anything this season or whether that spills into next season, no one can really
1: speculate. All right. So awesome. Keep that rolling. So back to, <laughs> back to PSR, would you feel like the loopholing that bullying company did with the seven, eight year contracts before that, that got kind of closed off recently do you think that is a big part of why Chelsea passed this PSR, um, I don't know, audit or whatever you want to call yeah. it right now? It, without- isn't, it isn't. Okay. is an audit. Okay. Was that strategy a big part of why we've successfully passed it?
0: It was certainly a part of it. It's certainly a part of it. I mean, there were there were three parts of it, I would say. One, the club from the year before Bowley and Clear Lake took over were in a great um, PSR position, so that's one. Two, um, they've sold and they have. You know they haven't sold as much as they've, been, but if they've sold probably more than any else in terms of the value of they've got back on players. And also within those sales, you've got to remember they've sold someone like Havertz for sixty odd million. Now on book value, I think he had around twenty million left on book value because of his contract. So it's selling them at 60-odd at, uh, million, that gives you an extra 40 million to play with within your PSR accounting and everything. They've done a bit of that. They've, they've sold a few players over book value. I think off the top of my head, Kovacic would have gone over book value as well. So they've wrestled money back on the PSR through selling players over their book value. And definitely, the contracts have, have definitely played a part. I wouldn't say... I think it's too easy, and I think people who don't look at Chelsea too carefully would probably say, oh, well, they only got away with it because they did eight-year contracts. No, if they'd have only done eight-year contracts, they'd have failed it. They had to sell well, and whether you agree with all is a different argument. In some ways they've got, and selling over book value, they have sold well, and that has contributed massively as well. Well,
1: that's perfect. I mean that, I think that is a good reminder. We did talk about the selling this summer and even Mason Mount, right? He was 100% uh on that. The the club did bring in a lot of revenue and I do remember Kovacic now that we talked about it as as you mentioned. So, um okay, we got to give credit then where could it do from running the business side of it? I
0: and I think I think even the Matson deal is a good example of the fact. I th- I do think they're starting, not starting to, because they did in the summer, but from summer from summer onwards, I think they're actually doing quite well on the sales in terms of the business deals. I, like I say, we can argue whether the club should sell Matson. We can argue whether the club should sell Mount. We can argue whether the club, if they sell Gallagher, should sell Gallagher. Separate argument, purely in terms of getting the fees and over the book values. They are doing a good job. And Matson is a good example of it. You know, if you look back in the summer, they accepted a bid that would have been started off as a loan, but basically would have had an obligation in that would have guaranteed them 32 million pounds. Matson has barely played from the summer to January. And yet his clause is set now at 35 million. Borussia have paid a 2 million loan fee. They're pretty confident that when they come to sell him in the summer, it will end up being for 35 million therefore 37 million fee in total they've actually ended up getting 5 million better deal um or they think they're going to get a 5 million better deal and he's not played any full. so again that is that is good that is good business and negotiating looking forwards
1: all right well i i appreciate that update i'm glad we we dug into that too because um you know that's the that's the broader picture right outside of just the day to day um this is what protects the club's long term ability to compete on the pitch and so look last thing here I, I look matt i know you know this i didn't want to bring it up but this is important to you so we, we got to talk about the argyle promotions from the match this past weekend um they were everywhere it didn't bother me i didn't tweet about it it didn't bother me i, know. I found it funny i'm
0: poking I a found little it bit funny. yeah i
1: should, cl- I some should clarify some other journalists
0: <laughs> some other some other journalists got very upset by it and i didn't tweet about it because it, it didn't bother me i found it funny and i found it a bit bizarre you know watching a load of guys stand up and brush their teeth is a little bit weird um the player look, entrance this is old.
1: was all decked out
0: yeah this is this is all old world meets new world isn't it and it is and i get there's gonna there's gonna be people out there who don't like it and i get that and i understand that and i understand why and i do think there is a debate to be had of whether in a live football match it is the place to do that kind of promotion fine have the debate absolutely fine i don't really agree or disagree it just doesn't it's not something that really rattles me um the club have got i'm sure there would have been money involved in it for the club owners are going to use their football clubs to promote other businesses and other things it's just the way of the world um and yeah, like I say, it didn't It didn't bother me. I got slightly worried when Pochettino came out after the match and said something had happened before the match that had put the players off because I thought, oh my God, we're going to find out that something to do with Argyle has happened before the match that slightly affected preparations. But I'm told that is not the case. I'm told whatever Pochettino was referring to was not Argyle or owner-related, should I say. Therefore, I don't I don't really have a big opinion on it. If the Argyle thing had have affected preparations, then I'd have come down on it in a ton of bricks. But Pochettino wasn't aware of what was going on during the game. The players weren't aware. I felt sorry. There was one guy with his daughter sat directly behind them who had to keep standing up when they stood up. And I literally felt sorry. The, the extent of my emotion was I felt sorry for that guy and his daughter.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: that's fair. So yeah. we,
1: we kind of talked about it too is that, you know, this movie has a huge ad spend and if bully in the club can attract some of that money in like these are new revenue streams that they can generate on a match day without expanding the stadium hopefully it doesn't interfere with fans or the experience and things like that like i know they put the poster up on the side of the hotel we just have to kind of see right where where this all kind of blends out but if This is a new revenue stream that's going to lead to other things. And like, you know, having Lee Parker wear the backpack on the match day and having like a movie promo as the players walk by, this is how they're trying to get creative to bring in more money, which again is profitability, sustainability, more revenues, invest in the playing squad and things like that. So we're just gonna have to see where it goes. But they tested it. It sounds like it's going to run through the rest of the month, potentially. Um, It it didn't seem, at least from someone abroad, like I, I didn't notice it really disrupting anything. I talked to Ollie Glanville in the stadium. He arrived right at kickoff. He didn't even know what was going on. He was oblivious as a as a match day, you know, supporter as well. So it definitely, I think, was bigger on social media, which is exactly what they wanted. Well,
0: this is it. A, the sort of beta call is exactly what they wanted. And as absolutely... I'd never heard of the film. I'd literally never heard of the film. Same. I didn't know anything about this film at all so and now I know that Dua Lipa's in it I know that it's a it's based on a book that's about sort of espionage and things like that it's nothing to do with Plymouth Argyle um so you know it's done its job with me I suddenly know a little bit about this when the film comes out you know if it comes onto Amazon I might watch on Amazon I can't see myself going to the cinema to watch it but um you know it's done its job and let's face it as you say, this, because of the way the promo's running, it might run again in terms of this Argyle one. They're not going to be doing this every week. You know, there's not going to be another film being promoted every single week. They've been in 18 months, and this this is the first time they've done anything like this. And as you say, unless you were sitting very directly around it, I can't imagine anyone in the crowd would have had any inkling of what was going on at all, really. Um, Which is why it doesn't, like I say, it's New World meets Old World a little bit, and it just doesn't really bother me, like I say, if in the fullness of time, I find out that they've been in the dressing room or that something's happened and they've grabbed a player out of his warm up to do something, changes the picture entirely, but if it's a bloke a guy a sort of group of guys standing up pretending to brush their teeth, which just looks a bit funny, then whatever and and like I say apart from the the guy and his daughter who I hope were fine um it doesn't really bother me. What bothers me more, actually, is stuff like the dugout club and things, but that's a separate, you know, separate discussion entirely. I think you're and on And they were record. sat in the dugout club. They were, sat, <laughs> they were sat in the dugout club, actually. So that dugout club was obviously shut for that game. I yeah. think the guys, the, the guys in the away dugout club had spent a cool £900 to sit behind Marco Silva, one of the most boring men alive.
1: So, you know, that was money well spent for them. <laughs> Hey, Matt, that was their big day, all right? You just let them enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, look, um, yeah, as long as it doesn't affect the players and on the match and on the pitch, like, uh, you know, you find a good balance in that. We'll, we'll see. And I thought they were in, like, those dugout seats anyways. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be too upset. It's not like they were in the shed right. end or Matthew Harding yeah. and, like, creating a disruption of, you know, exactly. regular match-going fans. So it seems exactly. to be done as Best as it could have been, and it's them trying new things. uh so I, By the way, I, I quote tweeted your Dua Lipa tweet. Picker didn't happen. Did Did you get the selfie?
0: It, I didn't get the selfie. Oh. I still. Well, I got to the game. I was told by people who work at Chelsea that Dua Lipa's here today. I've seen no evidence of Dua Lipa at the game. I don't know whether she was there or not. I've tried to ask people who I thought might have seen her. No one's really sure. So they've either kept it a very good secret, or the people who told me were wrong. I don't know, quite frankly. All I right. should have got if I had I would have 100% got a picture because it would have been my kids favorite thing ever if I'd have got a picture with Dua Lipa my yeah. kids would have just lost it completely
1: Look. All of a sudden, all these, all these uh, football matches been going to finally paid off. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Awesome, all right, we're going to wrap there uh, on that high note. Um, look, maybe John Cena will be at the next promotion. All right, he's on the roster too. John Cena's been to a game already, hasn't he? He was in
0: Bowley's box once. I believe so. But so. I think he's a Tottenham fan. I'm convinced I've seen him at Tottenham and, and have been told he's a Tottenham fan before.
1: Yeah, who knows? He might be at the next like NBC Fan Fest that we have over here, claiming to be uh, another fan of something else. But look, you need <laughs> representation. We don't have a lot of celebrity fans over here, so um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Anyways, Matt, thank you as always. Continue to All subscribe. Rich. Check out his articles in the Telegraph. Uh, great Twitter follow per usual. Link in the description. And that's gonna wrap us up. Chelsea fans, till next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.